We see the years before coronavirus, when Trump ruled, when Trump shoved the elites aside and was the dear leader of the country. He restored our great military, the sign of all authoritarians. Uh, the military, the, uh, he restored our manufacturing set, uh, sector. We saw before a decrepit uh, pickup truck. Now we see these new pickup trucks rolling off. We see people weeping in joy at seeing their leader uh, and in adulation. We don't see democracy here. We see a single leader. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I'm Jerry Yates Sexton here, as always, with Nick Houselman. Uh, before we get going, a couple of programming notes. Uh, scheduling interferences, discombobulation. Uh, we are going to move our Patreon live Q&A show to February 18th at 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. Eastern. My God, I almost did it again. What is time? Uh, what is time? So it'll be 7 p.m. Eastern on February 18th. Uh, we will be taking questions for that show and hosting our patrons from patreon.com slash podcast. Also this week, and we're getting ready to talk a little bit about uh, fascist propaganda because what else do a couple of friends do? Right. right? They they hang out on, on, on Skype and they talk about fascist propaganda. I mean, Over drinks. Over drinks. Here we go. So uh, we are actually for this week's Weekender show, uh, which will air this Friday. And again, that's for uh, patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. We're going to do a little bit of a movie watch, uh, a little bit different. In the past, we've done Forrest Gump. We've done It's a Wonderful Life. And this time, Nick, what, what, what are we watching? Well, it's going to be a documentary entitled Mussolini, Fine de una Dittatura. Which would I'm be sorry, the, what, what, one more time for the good people? <laughs> Fine de una dittatura, which would be the end of, a, end of the dictatorship uh, of Mussolini uh, and, a, and a description, I suppose, a deep dive into the propaganda that they used to, uh, to get him there. Yeah, and it's, I, I have to tell you, I've, I've seen this thing, and uh, for those who are going to go ahead and watch along with us, and that's available over on Amazon Prime. Um, it is in Italian, so you can get the subtitles on Amazon Prime. It's also available on YouTube. I'm not sure if it has subtitles, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, just a warning, uh, watching Mussolini come to power and watching himself sort of uh, consolidate power and support around him, uh, it's going to feel pretty relevant and unsettling. So uh, get ready for that. But one more time, Nick, what, 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 what was the name of that? <laughs> Fine di una dittatura. That is F-I-N-E-D-I-U-N-A-D-I-T-T-A-T-U-R-A, and that's on Amazon Prime and on YouTube. And the reason that we're going to be talking about that is because the former president of the United States of America, Donald John Trump, is set to go on uh, on trial in his impeach, his second impeachment, by the way. We gotta make sure that we uh, make clear which impeachment. Uh, this week, there are already headlines that are coming out about what to expect from this. There are already, um, there's some tussling, there's some tug of war among the Democratic Party and how they're going to handle this. Of course, the Republican Party has already decided to close ranks around Donald Trump. We might have a couple of Republican senators vote to keep him from running from office in the future. But we're already hearing from the Democratic Party. And, and Nick, I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, this was from a Politico article, which, um, of course, it's in Politico. Because where else do you turn to hear about palace intrigue? And the headline already is political playbook, Democratic impeachment managers feeling muzzled. 
So we're going to get a little bit into that. But I just want to hear, Nick, uh, very, very quickly, what's your what's your immediate gut reaction to that headline? I mean, the notion that they would have screamed and yelled at the Raptors uh, about having uh, witnesses in the first impeachment trial and then the potential yep. to kick this can down the road or not have it at all, uh, not have witnesses or a very abbreviated trial is just all sorts of troubling. Um, and one of those things that people seem to like to do in this country, just sort of, uh, we'll just forget about it. It'll just go away. You know, the, the, the damage won't get worse. It'll just be, we'll forget about it and move on. Um, yeah. It's, um, I, ha- I have to tell you, and I think you just nailed you just nailed it right on the head, man. It is really upsetting. And, you know, we were part of a chorus for a while who were screaming about the first impeachment, about the fact that there had to be witnesses and the Republicans worked their way around it. Uh, it's not great to now be in this situation and not really worry about it. Uh, to share this, and, and for those of you um, who, you know, keep track of this stuff, but maybe don't know about the inside baseball Politico is a publication and, you know, just uh, to put it out there, I have been published in Politico. Politico is a publication w- where Washington insiders talk to one in- one another basically on background in articles. This is the water cooler of Washington, D.C. politics. This is where they talk about where the sausage is made. And I'm just going to share a little bit from this article. Um, Several of the House impeachment managers wanted firsthand testimony to help prove their case that Trump inside the January 6th riot, our sources tell us. But Senate, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Biden administration officials have been eager for the process to move quickly, we're told. It's been a source of frustration for some Democrats privately. Trump, these people have noticed, is already on the rebound politically. Is he, by the way? Is that is that accurate? Is he on the rebound, Nick? I don't know. When you when you when the minority leader in the House of Representatives uh, makes a fealty call to to him and his uh, place of residence, uh, that that might mean something. I mean, that's I mean, that's really nothing new, but that that is not a bad point. Uh, they say that they are afraid that people are going to be back in Trump's corner. And here, like this is just upsetting. That's why there's been talk among the managers about calling individuals who could change minds. If not the minds of 17 GOP senators needed to convict, then perhaps a slice of the GOP electorate that still supports Trump. Some of the ideas floated, having Capitol Police officers tell their stories about fighting the mob or inviting Republican officials in Georgia who were pressured by Trump to overturn the state's election uh, tally. Schumer and other Senate Democrats argue, however, that they don't necessarily need witnesses since Trump's crimes were in plain sight and documented in video and tweet. I don't know, man. I, uh, this sucks. What sucks worse, honestly, is they're going to waste four hours tomorrow simply debating the constitutionality of the trial itself. That is the most – and that tells you everything. As far as I'm concerned, the Democrats – control this process why they would even allow this and waste four hours of the of the process on that is ridiculous they already had the vote we know where these fucking republicans feel about the process of it and that's what they do republicans don't ever get into the substance of what the the thing they're talking about is they'll argue uh, everything else around it attack the process and refuse to acknowledge the substance it's disgusting it's intellectually dishonest wait wait, wait nick point of order um why haven't you said the Pledge of Allegiance? 
before you said any of this. Why why have you, you not know, already pledged fealty to the to the government of the United States of America? You know why? Because I said it when I woke up this morning, okay? That covers me for the whole day. <laughs> I want to believe that so much. No, they will spend so much time arguing this bullshit. And then meanwhile, it's like, I don't know if there's enough time to actually talk to the people who were affected by this and saw their friends killed. Now, by the way, I, and I would love to be able to say, look what happened during the, uh, in, the, in the House part of the first impeachment when they brought in um, Fiona Hill. Fiona, no, not Fiona Hill. Fiona Hill? That sounds weird. Anyway, you know, the, uh, she was for the, uh, the Russian expert uh, who was uh, in, in, U in Ukraine. Anyway, it was very, uh, it was very uh, powerful what she had told us and explained to us. It's not, Fiona Hill is a pop star. No, who's the Fiona, Fiona Apple? Fiona Hill. Anyway, um, and uh, that, was, that was powerful. So you'd imagine that they could bring other you know, witnesses who were there watching Trump cheering on this crowd and really excited about what was happening. Um, that would be powerful too. But again, it wasn't powerful to anybody who already wasn't predisposed to you know, uh, hate Trump as it is. So um, I, I don't even know anymore. I don't know anymore because, again, there is a point that we know that these Republicans are not going to vote to convict beforehand. Um, and so, like, what is the point of, of doing this whole thing anyway? Can I um, Nick, Nick, would you be would you be interested in hearing a poll? Yeah, well, OK, I'll, and I'll explain why. The, OK, go ahead. Give it to me. <laughs> the latest poll from the Associated Press says that 56% of Americans say Trump should be convicted and barred from holding office again. And that's compared to 43% who says they should not. To quote Don DeLuise in the History of the World Part 1, nice. Nice. <laughs> not thrilling, but nice. No, no. Listen, it should be a lot more. But to get a majority of people in this country to agree on anything is incredible. Yeah, I mean, the only problem is, well, you map them out where these people are, right? And you'll see that there is a vast majority of, or a huge swaths of the country that are don't agree with that, and they represent enough of these Republican districts, and that there's no pressure on that. You know what I mean? Like that's what's so frustrating about that. I said, what would that number have to really be before they feel it? Eighty percent. Uh, I, I just want to share with you while we're on the subject, another poll uh, that was released by the AP. Uh, Nick, it says here that 16 percent of Americans say democracy is working well or extremely well. Yeah. I mean, I, I sense that if you were to sit down with a, even a, like, a, you know, even the regular Republican who was, you know, happy with the tax cuts and, and uh, judges and those things, maybe thought that Trump was an asshole. If you, if you sat down with those kind of people. Um, I think that they would have a hard time connecting these two things. I agree. And, and, and this is the larger problem. I, I think that the issue here and, and this is what really sticks in my crawl. How about that? I haven't I haven't said that something stuck in my crawl in a while, but this sticks in my crawl. Did you say crawl or craw? Crawl. Isn't it craw? I'm from southern Indiana. I, um. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, listen, if my if my Brady Bunch history, uh, you know, is, is, it's stuck listen, in my let's just let's pull back the curtain here. We had to have a discussion before we started this show about how you were going to say the name of the documentary because I, I couldn't even fin, fine de una dittatura. That's pretty damn good. I'll give it to you. I'll do it. I was reading it off a note card, you know. Yeah. But I here's the problem with all of this. Um. This is going to be, and I understand that Donald Trump isn't president of the United States right now. This is going to be the main ring of American circus for a while. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a big story. We've never had this happen before. On top of it, like, just speak... And, and by the way, at this point, I'm even talking from a Craven standpoint of, like, a Politico article, right? People are going to watch this. There are, like, Donald Trump equals ratings, just to quote Zucker and Moonves, right? This is an opportunity for the Democrats to actually point out not only what happened on January 6th, but to actually go ahead and determine the narrative and reality of American politics at this moment. What the message they are sending, and this is really sad, but it's also true. The message they are sending people is, oh, this is a symbolic thing. This was just something that, you know, we needed to do. We needed to give him a metaphorical, symbolic, yeah, tut-tut or slap on the wrist or whatever. They're not treating it like the president of the United fucking States sicked his supporters on his own vice president and the legislative branch, which is what actually happened. And this is why people don't trust politicians. This is why people don't trust the news. This is why people don't have trust in institutions or democracy, because they know that there is a game being played. So this goes back to what we always say. Not only is it the smart thing to do politically, which, by the way, fuck that. Quit worrying about politics. It's the right thing to do, which is to actually carry out the prosecution of Donald Trump and point out that this was an actual crisis. And on top of that, really quickly, how like I know the Biden administration doesn't want to take away from their agenda. How else do you show that you have an agenda that should be embodied besides show that the guy before you was a dangerous criminal and that you need to change things like I don't this stuff isn't hard. I mean, we, we've already heard Biden say he's not going to give Trump access to, you know, top secret information as a courtesy anymore, which is something. Uh, there's so much to unpack there. You might hear me jotting down on my notes furiously on my keyboard. I apologize. But uh, here's the thing I think we're going to find out in the defense uh, of this trial by the Republican or the Trump lawyers, whoever they may be. Did they call you yet or no? No, I, listen, I, I have some engagements. Oh, I couldn't make it. I would, you know what? I would love to go out there just as sort of like a devil's advocate. Yes. You know what I mean? Be like, <laughs> no one has been more persecuted than this man. Is this an indictment of our whatever in general? Anyway, all right. Um, I, you know, I just watched Animal House too. And I'm forgetting that line. But here's the thing: I think they're gonna they're gonna argue is uh, that the the mob thing was a spur of the moment. It just sort of happened, and everyone was like, kind of got swept up in this in this moment of patriotism, whatever. And they got out of control. You know, a little bit. Whoops. Um, Who's among us, Nick? Haven't been swept up in a moment of jubilant celebration. Patriotic celebration. Patriotic, jubilant celebration. And not try to pull off a coup. Like, who among us? I just who did that last summer. It was great, man. So, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so that's the thing, man. That's what they're going to try and argue. Now, if you look at the court documents already, there's a number of people who are, I mean, first of all, their lawyers, uh, the people who are being arrested for for insurrection, uh, you know, they're going to have to do whatever they can to get out of this thing. And a lot of them are saying, yeah, Trump told me to do it. I'm just listening to Trump. He's the one who did it. That's pretty damning evidence. This is probably why you're going to want to have some some uh, uh, witnesses come out here and testify to that extent. No shit. Get some people to come out and say, you know what? I was inspired by the weird haired motherfucker who told me to do this. Mm -hmm. March on the Capitol. And by the way, it's all part of the game because their yep. game is I got to get myself yep. off on my own yep. case. So I'm throwing yep. anybody under the bus I can. But you know what? I believe them anyway. It, it, I believe that they truly believe Hold that they were led on, to believe. Nick. Hold on, Nick. I will not sit here while you impugn the American judicial system that has 
for years used criminals to turn over on other criminals in order to avoid consequences. I will not have you sit here and talk about the judicial system like that. Forgive me. I, I will throw myself because on the mercy. that is not a precedent in America. I right. just want to point that out. Yes. Well, let's talk about America. Let's talk about something about what democracy means, because you just mentioned that people don't believe democracy is working. Let's check that number again. Uh, 16. Is that good? Is that good when 16 percent of your population believes that democracy is working? Isn't. Yeah. Is I mean, actually... if you're if you're if your name is Mussolini, it probably is good. <laughs> but Fine de una dittatura. <laughs> if you're a dittatura like uh, Mussolini. <laughs> Um, so yes, but uh, that that here's the thing I think we've we've gotten over the with enough time. What we've lost sight of is a lot of the Republicans seem to think that they know better. We've talked about this ad nauseum about how all these policies are worth whatever we have to do to get them into place because everything will be better once we get yep. that happening. And it, if but, we don't, apocalypse. Right. Just and, done. That's it. But what they don't ever respect is that the democracy is supposed to represent the will of the people. And every one of these policies that they want to put in go directly against what the vast majority of America believes in. And that is what we've lost. So, yeah, you might want to say like democracy isn't working, but I feel like a lot of the Republicans have sort of completely twisted what they think democracy means anyway. And so now here we are where we don't even know what it's supposed to mean and what it's supposed to reflect. I mean, I, I like to think that the majority of Americans understand that. But the bottom line is, like, if we were living in a country where 65 percent of the, of the people think that um, we should be separating kids from the border and that we should not have abortion and that everyone needs more than two guns, like I would probably end up having to move. Right. I would move from this country and I'm already discussing moving from this country anyway. But like. At some point, that if that's what democracy calls for in that country, that's what it is. But thank God that those numbers aren't there. They're not there right. at all. And, and by the way, th this brings to mind a quote from, uh, I, I, you know, I've been dealing a lot with a lot of philosophers lately and doing a lot of research. Um, it reminds me of a quote from a great philosopher, which is, Andy Bernard does not lose contests. He wins them or he quits them because they are unfair. That is the essence of what is happening right now, is that the Republican Party is not popular. The Republican Party is actually really deeply, deeply unpopular. They don't have any numbers on their side at all. Like, they, you could probably ask right now, like, I can't even, like, Ronald Reagan is probably the one Republican who's above 50%. And that's only because his entire legacy has been propagandized. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only person who even comes near there. They cannot win elections. They are not on the right side of any polls. And so as a result, they've tried to destroy the entire democratic system. The Democrats know this. The Democrats are well aware of this. Like for all their talk of unity. And by the way, I'm sorry, I, I have to do this. We're recording this on February, Monday, February 8th, the day after the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, I watched 10 minutes. It was terrible, terrible, like display of football. Did you watch the commercials? Uh, I, I barely. I really just turned it off. I got bored. I didn't. I started. Did you watch things. the Bruce Springsteen commercial? No, and I love Bruce Springsteen. L listen, I I, I, lo I love Bruce. I, I love Bruce. Like I could sit here. I could talk for a couple hours about uh, how much I love Bruce as a human being, as an artist. Have we you can ever go been to a back. concert? No, I've never actually been. I oh hear it's, my god! I hear it's amazing. I think he, I think he's a beautiful person. I love man. His his one man show where he talks about personas and playing characters. I thought was just prescient and genius. And his albums are like way up there in my favorite things. 
the Super Bowl commercial with Bruce Springsteen to sell Jeeps, by the way, was disgusting. It was a disgusting piece of propaganda where it's Springsteen driving a Jeep to the middle of America and talking about finding the middle and how America needs to find the middle. He goes into a church, which, by the way, has like America behind a crucifix, which, by the way, that's not everybody, Jack. That's that's like a particular message to a particular group of people, Christian nationalist. But he says, we just need to find the center. We just need to find the middle. The middle doesn't exist anymore. And not in terms of what we're talking about. You can't split a difference with the Republican Party because you still end up in authoritarianism. They're so far gone. And that argument has to be destroyed. We have to get rid of that idea. The Democrats have to make an actual appeal to Americans. Because Americans know it, they sense it, their instincts tell them that something stinks here and that it's dangerous. Because that's why they're saying 53% think Trump should be, you know, convicted and not never allowed to run for anything again. It has to be the truth. It has to be that this is an actual crisis. And we can't just sleepwalk through this thing. We can't play games with it. Well, one of the reasons why there's no more middle is because the middle constantly moves. There isn't a middle because, you know, where the middle was 20 years ago is not where it is now. And part of me wants to think I was talking with my wife about this, is that like the Republicans, when uh, Nixon was impeached, the Republican Party would probably be considered Democrats now. Nixon would be a Democrat now. Right. So so by that rationale, you would think that in this day and age, the center has moved to the right. Unbelievably far to the right. Right. Yeah, exactly. We and even though it feels like we're making progress and sure there's things like gay marriage that have been approved and those things are being more and more accepted. It, it definitely feels like that that middle has been inexorably yanked by the extremism on the right uh, in a way that uh, that's not supposed to happen. We were on another progression for a long time until Watergate, I suppose. Yeah, until Reagan takes over from Carter and here we are where we, we've he's it, it's been a 30 year drift and it's it's pretty remarkable oh it's it's absolutely crazy and the idea that we're going to find a center which is and and, and this is actually one of the problems is the Democratic Party and this is one of the reasons why they're doing things the way that they are they have a political class of consultants that get paid so much money Nick they get paid so much money to lose elections and then go on TV and talk about elections until they get hired to go lose another election. Or, God forbid, they win an election and then they sit in these offices and dream up reasons to not use power. Like, that's what's happening on the left. And they are all concerned with one voter, and we've talked about this before, which is a white person in Dayton, Ohio, or Akron, Ohio, who, you know— is, is consider themselves a little bit liberal, but they're a little bit put off by like civil rights and, you know, like people of color. So it has to be a little bit racist. It also has to be a lot Reaganist, a lot of capitalism. In fact, by the way, we have a documentary that's getting ready to come out. When, when, when are we when are we doing that? You know, do you tell me it's it's ready to go. We can drop it. Uh, whenever. Ooh. Ooh, what do you OK? Let's give it to the Patreon people like Wednesday or Thursday. What do you say about that? Yeah, yeah, we could drop it. Um, well, let's see. We're gonna have what, the live show on Thursday for Patreon people. Yeah, 
maybe we drop it before that so we can react to that. Oh, too. I like that. Okay, we're going to talk about that. If you want to sneak peek at that and hear the whole thing uh, before it's released to the, the public at large, that's patreon.com slash podcast. See how we just wove that in there? That was nice. Yeah. And you know, I, I had meant to say it about five, two minutes ago, and so you, you, we, uh, we oh, got there so, anyway. It's so drifted. excited about it. But, yes, but the documentary is on, on Jimmy Carter and his Malay's speech, but how it really was just a, a, a touchstone for everything that's happened since then. It was a moment where things could have been better and a moment where America could have got its shit together. But unfortunately, we didn't. And then the Republican Party went so far right. It's like it's like the scene in Jaws where they've got the, the fish on the hook. Right. And it's just going to town and, you know, everything's going so fast. It's threatening to break. The Republican Party is so far far out in the fascistic right. And, and it's not even to the right anymore. It's its own thing. And, and you know, we, we were talking about this, and one of the reasons we're going to be watching Fine di Una Detura <laughs> is because not only have they moved into fascism in terms of ideology, even in their presentation at this point, they cannot help but portray themselves as neo-fascists. Yes, there there is this notion that uh, a certain segment of populations across the board, especially in free societies, sort of gravitate towards that. They they what sure. they what they value in like the strong man who is going to take care of us and kick ass and do the right things ultimately plays into the notion of a dictatorship uh, and fascism. It really does, and it's it, there's nothing more triggering to those kind of people when you. Pointed out, by the way, <laughs> it's really uh, the reaction is not good. And I don't I mean, I listen, who wants to be called a fascist sympathizer or whatever you want to call that? Uh, but but it's like a hard truth that sometimes they need to you know face before they can change. Um, you know, what's interesting about this is, you know, I was watching a lot of Nazi stuff uh, today, as one would do uh, on a fine I, I mean, it's a Monday. Monday. Yeah. Nazi propaganda. Oh, and wait, what I we have to study this stuff. That's one of the reasons why I want to go over this video with people. Like we, we treat all of this as if it's something you should lock in a box and never even look at. And we've done that so much that we've actually sort of like kept it out of sight to the point where like when we see it and again, everybody knows it. Like there's something deep inside of us that starts going, hey, this is fascism. This is fascism. But we don't study it. So we're not prepared for it and we can't explain it. And I think we have to be understanding of these things. And, and it's but it's beyond words. It's not just like somebody yep. saying something is a lie or whatever. It's the yep. production values. And so Fox News, of all people, has cornered the market on these things Absolutely. when they share certain photos and then they yep. change backgrounds. Well, they, they've been pointed. Yep. They've been uh, accused or whatever. That it's journalistic malpractice when you uh, you know doctor a photo. But they do it all the time. With Obama, they would do it and make it look murky and grainy and like sinister. You know, music they cues. They do all that kind of thing. Would and you Would you be surprised to hear that Goebbels uh, innovated a sound that would play on the radio before they gave updates on the war effort? Oh. And, it's, and, and and that's one of the reasons why before brum, brum, Fox News update. Yes. Like that you condition. Yes. I mean, yeah. listen, when I played uh, guitar for my daughter going to sleep every night when she was really, you know, two and three and four, I try, actually I tried to do that. Like I play like certain chords or notes just because like like maybe that'll sort of, you know, put her in that trance to go to sleep earlier because she was you never went to sleep that early. Uh, so, yeah, but it's very powerful. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the medium of video or film is really powerful. And we're still like certainly the, the Nazis were in the infancy of that. You know, they really had no one had really 
really developed interesting editing styles that can you know really be uh, provocative enough to convince people's minds on a on a subconscious level. Uh, I mean, they were getting there. They right, you see some evidence well, and, of it. And who did they take notes from? Woodrow Wilson, Edward Bernays, and the Committee of Public Information that helped America going into World War One, and then helped corporations post World War One to sell products. They thought that the only reason that Germany lost World War One was because their propaganda wasn't good enough. So they used those ideas, those thoughts, um, the work of Sigmund Freud, who is Bernays' uncle, to create their own propaganda, and which has more or less led to this entire genre that is now being aped in all of these different places. And that's the same rationalization that they have for Nixon, for why he lost, because he didn't have yep. his own propaganda. So here's what you do. When you look at a lot of the uh, correspondence, especially early in the war from Nazis, um, you, you know, you could read it in a sense that like they were just desperate to win and they were really dedicated to their to their the process of, of winning and, and their cause. But what you really read is that we have to win because what we are doing is so atrocious and heinous that if we lose, we are going to be prosecuted in The Hague and it's going to be the most the most horrific war crimes of all time. And that, when you read it and you read those words like that, that in that context, it sounds exactly like what the motivation for Trump was to win this election because he's so afraid of being prosecuted for all the crimes that he committed while in office uh, that, of course, that was what was motivating him this whole time. It's the same thing that the Nazis were. And that's the scary thing is that what the, that's an acknowledgement that they, what they were doing was bad. They, were not, they didn't believe this was sort of in the name of Germany and this is like we're the true, the chosen people, you know, cleansing the, the world of whatever. They knew how wrong this was and they knew well, the they only had- way to get away with it is to win the war. And this is one of the amazing things is this goes back to the conversation we've been having about Trump and all the people around him, which is, is it a grift? Is it a coup? Is it real? Is it put on? Yes, it's all of it. At times, they know that they're doing awful, illegal things. At other times, they're like, maybe we are the chosen race. Maybe we are, you know, the conquerors of the universe. And they create all these mythologies that go ahead and convince people to follow them. But occasionally they get high off their own supply and they're just like, absolutely, this is what we should be doing. And it's important to point out, and and one of the reasons we're talking about this is, I mean, they were playing Trump fascistic propaganda before this whole thing. There is a just an absolute lineage and people who are listening, I assume, either hung out with us watching the Republican National Convention and saw some of that fascistic movie making or has seen one of the many videos that Trump, back when he had a Twitter account, would always promote, which showed him in front of flags. It showed him from like a certain angle, right? It showed the people who might destroy America and showed him looking strong, like he would support America against all of its enemies. And like all of this stuff, this neo-fascistic appeals, it's been present throughout the last few years and it has just been festering underneath the surface. Absolutely. And so to talk about uh, the propaganda, this all sort of spurned a a conversation from a a really great article we read uh, by a guy named Paul Stanley over on JustSecurity.org, where he breaks down uh, the the video. was Jason Stanley, wasn't it? Paul Stanley Stanley was the the guitarist in Kiss. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he, maybe you know, he's sidelined. Dude, I would love, I would absolutely love if Paul Stanley came out as like, I am really (laughs) against fascism. People don't know that about me, but I am really anti-fascist. I would love. 
and that would be a nice, uh, you know, Gene Simmons, I think, is a pro-Trump guy. So that'd be a nice little balance in the in the KISS universe. Uh, by the way, speaking of propaganda, KISS, uh, uh, you know, 100%. As a kid, I would like, I, their, their playing cards, I would love, the, I wouldn't eat the gum because I was afraid it was laced, and even as a seven-year-old. But uh, the playing cards Wait, were like. Wait, time out. We cannot go further. You didn't eat the gum in packs of KISS cards because you were afraid it was laced with drugs? Yes, and that was a seven-year-old, eight-year-old mindset. I don't know how I developed that, whatever. I probably saw some weird movie once That's about something. Amazing. That's but, amazing. Um, but the point the, was... The, the enigma of Nick Houseman just continues to grow. Yes. And I love it. I, for one, am here for it. But the point was, I got to you know into college without knowing a single Kiss song, but remembering that I was a huge like Kiss fan sure. as a kid. I mean, the sure. makeup, and it was alluring. So, like, Their marketing was incredible. Yeah, because it wasn't about the music. I mean, hey, we all now know I want to rock and roll all night and party every day, which is, you know, hey, an anthem. But um, I really was not aware of like the music itself at that time, which is crazy. But let's talk a little bit about this video they showed uh, just before the insurrection that was pointed out as pure propaganda and insightful insightful is that the right word inciting uh, of of the insurrection i want to ask you though because he breaks it down shot by shot really well except for one shot he missed he didn't he didn't mention i'm kind of curious what your take on it is they have a um a still frame of text of women for america first which i think was part of the sponsor of this whole thing and then it, it to me, I think it was a mistake. But when you keep watching this the thing, it will flash on for the, the briefest seconds Rudy Giuliani's name. And when I see flashes like that, that instantly tells me, oh, they're doing something here subconsciously because, again, it was only a few frames. It wasn't almost long enough um, to read. I, I, you know, hey, I'm a speed reader, but like maybe people didn't do that. What do you think that they're trying to do with having those two names, Women for America first and then Rudy Giuliani is a flash right after that? Do you have any feelings? I don't know what the strategy is, but I do have to tell you after examining the film and spending the last few years really, really diving deep into Trump media and the things that are produced, there are people in that sphere who really, truly, honestly believe that they are doing some important fascistic experimental shit. Like they are really pushing this thing. Wow. So I have to and, – and by the way, an important thing to remind people because maybe this is someone's first time listening to the podcast. One of the reasons that the right is so filled with conspiracy theories and always saying that people are engaged in conspiracies is because they're engaged in conspiracies. Or if they were in power, they would be engaged in conspiracies. These people are like, oh, the liberal media is indoctrinating and brainwashing people, and I bet they're putting in subliminal messages. We probably need to put in subliminal messages, and then they go. I mean, that's what's behind this whole thing, is it's that projection of their own insecurities and fears. I I think I figured it out, by the way, just to answer my question. He was speaking maybe next. But again, I couldn't even pause it quickly enough to get it, to get to that frame. I had to literally drag it because it's that quick. So so it it could be a mistake. Again, uh, but there's not many mistakes here because clearly they were understanding how to manipulate. Even the the shot, they have a a very tight close-up of his eyes, of Trump's eyes. Well, they're dead. You can't see them because of the shadows. It's it's right out of, um, what's the Hunger Games? It's literally out of the Hunger Games. You'd see it on that in that movie or whatever these post-apocalyptic movies are where you have these these dictators. it, it really is. And so and so I wonder if it's like the freeze-dried version. They're literally studying that stuff and trying yep. to do it. But oh, guarantee. Some, somebody, and this is, happens across the board the last four years uh, during Trump's uh, administration, there's always been somebody infinitely smarter than Trump behind yep. 
a lot of these things, the diabolical nature of these things. And uh, maybe one day we'll get like a whole, like a, more of a, a book about it and they'll, and they'll blow up what, exactly what that means. But um, obviously the, the real issue here is that it's not just Trump. He was allowed to do this. Uh, even even silence is complicitness in this uh, by a lot of these Republicans who didn't want to say anything but allowed it to happen. Uh, and that's it, probably as damning as anything else. Well, and we'll we'll talk more about this uh, when we do this special episode with Mussolini Fine di Una Dittura. But one of the <laughs> things that has actually happened is that there have been so many propaganda films that have then influenced future films and filming techniques. Like, for instance, um, uh, Birth of a Nation. Right. The, the the really, really racist lionization of the Ku Klux Klan, which, by the way, was inspired by Woodrow Wilson's histories and was used to create a new lost cause narrative and perpetuated Confederate mythology in America that we still deal with. Also, though, and you were talking about watching some Nazi shit, undoubtedly some Liefenstahl. Right. Mm -hmm. And Liefenstahl's like these. And by the way, if you all haven't watched like Triumph of the Will, like you should like you actually should watch it in order to study it and see how the propaganda works, not to lionize it, not to want to be it. Obviously, these people are fascist fucks and fuck them. But if you actually watch it, one of the things that you start to notice via Liefenstahl's um, sort of ideas is so much of it is still in use today. The low angle shot, the heroic shot, and we all know this and think about it in your mind's eye. And by the way, this is used everywhere. It's not just Fox News. It's not just with Trump. It's a picture of politicians that happens from a low angle that shows them towering over you and looking powerful. It has an incredible psychological appeal. Now, that is used everywhere, but I have to tell you, Fox News has turned it into an art. The subtle changes and decisions you were talking about that they make are absolutely intentional. They are propaganda. And what we are watching is an entire generation that first and foremost has been influenced by people who have been influenced by fascistic filmmaking and propaganda. But also, I have to tell you, around Trump, there are some people who are probably like, man, Maybe those guys didn't do the right thing, but they had some good ideas. You know what I mean? Like there are some people who really probably don't think they're fascist, but they are absolutely fascist. And we, and we can't deny the power of this media. You know, film and video and the way you can manipulate these things. Uh, again, it, it could go to the subconscious. I mean, we saw yep. it. We even saw it in um, a movie like uh, Fight Club where he splices in, you know, genitalia in the middle of a family movie. And they actually have a funny shot of a kid like they don't know they saw it, but they did see it. And, and it, it, yeah, it has an effect. Um, and there's no question you can do that. And that's, that's the real fear here. I guess the way to combat that is to educate so we know what we're seeing. And that's like what people who are like in the 70 and 75 year olds and are watching Fox News, the, you know, they've been conditioned for their entire lives. If a guy is sitting behind a desk with a tie and it's well lit and it sounds right, then he is telling the truth. You know, the Walter Cronkite syndrome, you know, because they're old enough to do that. Now, it doesn't excuse them because they're also old enough to have lived through Watergate. They should know better. They we've already done this before on a lesser scale. I mean, I get I can argue. We have to figure out whether who was worse, Nixon or Trump. We're gonna say Trump. We're gonna say Nixon. 
It's like trying to pick like who's the greatest of all time in the NBA, right? Mike that's that's that, I think it's exactly right because there's different skill sets there. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, it's just a, it's, it's a different thing. I mean, you got to say Nixon actually thought that he was doing the job for the good of people and Trump just absolutely did it to make money and gain power. I mean, right. like it's 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 okay. a weird combination. So yeah. because of OSHA, we'll give it to Nixon. As a better as a better president, <laughs> I don't know. He 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 basically was proto one of the proto Trumps. But I will say, I I think this is important to say. The appeals are this, and this is one of the one of the reasons why the Republican Party has gotten where they are. They don't have any principles. They don't have a legislative agenda. Their entire point is that they tell the voters, "You have to vote for us," or. The country will be destroyed. Your guns will be taken away. Your family will be enslaved and murdered. And by the way, white people, that's who they're talking to. This message at the rally before the coup attempt at the Capitol told people, this man is a hero and they are trying to take you from or they are trying to take him from you. They're trying to steal the country. And the whole point is that they were trying and Trump is trying and all these people were trying to put them up to the point where they would change things, but not necessarily burn down a building or kill people. Guess what? You can't play those games. Those games have a tendency to turn back around you and have deadly consequences. They're pl- they've been playing with fire this entire time. That's the point. Now, we all remember that you know Donald Trump said, if I lose this election, the, the stock market's just going to tank, right? right? And again, like people might not want to hold him to that kind of standard because, oh, it's just, just the stock market or not. But just FYI, you know, on November 4th, was that when the election was, the 4th? You know, it's at 27.8, and now the Dow Jones is at, you know, 31.3, the highest ever. You know, again, independent of anything that the president usually does anyway. Um, and then we, we certainly have our own issues now with how the, the manipulation of the stock market is going. With oh, GameStop. dude, the stock market has told us that they that Donald Trump, an instrument of exploitation, was used to its highest purpose. They used him to deregulate, to redistribute, and they got the most out of him that they possibly could before they booted his ass out. Let me ask you this, because redistribution of wealth is an interesting thing I was thinking about this morning. Um, I believe that a society is better when the, the wealth gap between the, you know, the top and the middle and the bottom are, is, is smaller than, you know, probably like when it was in the 50s, when we wanted to make America great again, right, in the 50s. Do you believe that? Do you or do you feel like it doesn't necessarily have a def- direct effect on society's value if these you know CEOs of corporations make you know ten thousand times what their lowest workers make? Well, I listen. I think it's a valid question, but I also think that the question takes out of account a couple of things. So, like, it's 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 hard to talk about the nineteen fifties without talking about the fact that like. The, the economy was humming in part because people of color and women and LGBTQ Americans were being exploited, you know, and they were being held down and people's rights were, were being trampled on. And that's one of the reasons why the economy worked so well. That's right. You know, like like I mean, the economy as it is basically is uh, a, a temperature reading of how well people are being exploited. Well, so yeah. so you're right that it would be better if the if the wealth gap was closed up and it was closer between all people but that also goes ahead and throws out the notion that you don't need a wealth gap you know what i mean and that those 
those sort of like differences and disparities are made up anyway and that they have basically been created to control people. I mean, that, that that's part of the problem. But I, I hear what you say. I do think that within the current system, of course, inequality should be like brought down to a narrow gap. Right. If possible. I mean, you know, and then the, the people argue, oh, well, you can't like limit the incentive to make money from people because then they won't do their jobs properly. But it's like at some point, you know, uh, it, it just seems like I, it works better for everybody. I you, would, you know. would you. OK, so here real fast and, and we got to bring this thing in for a landing. But I will say real fast. You and I, we work our asses off like we do. We work all the damn time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we both have a couple of jobs. <laughs> and <laughs> right. We put our all into those jobs. If economic uncertainty was taken away from me, I wouldn't stop. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I would probably have better mental health and I would feel better. But like I would still want to do things and do them as well as I do because I care about what I do. Right. Like that's the the crazy thing. And I'm actually it's funny we're talking about this right now. I'm studying the formulation of capitalism in my research and all of the people who are formulating the capitalistic international system think that human beings are shit and they're all awful, you know, and they're like human beings are sinners. They're beings of utter depravity. They can't be trusted. You have to create a system that engages with their worst selfish instincts. Right. I mean, that's Adam Smith all the way back. And that's just I don't buy that. I, I just I do you I, right. I I don't think that's the way it would work. Right. I mean that it's the Republican argument. Well, we can't just give people money. Well, then they're not going to work. They're going to be welfare queens. They're going to be all these things. They're going to be you know lazy. You know whatever you want to say to that are all the tropes of racism. Um, and yeah, I believe that the majority of people have pride in what they do and want to earn what they get. And if they if they're in like, have you ever made a bad decision in your life? Me, <laughs> you know, it's like we've all done that so many different times, and some people have really, really got you know made it made a bad choice, or or maybe not even made a bad choice, maybe just because of the the way with their situation that they were raised or brought up in, like they just are, have never been above the eight ball or in front of the eight oh. ball, and um and you know a little bit of assistance would go so long, uh, so much farther than anyone else to help them, dude. And on top of that. Like what we're talking about and when people say that people are lazy, it's because they don't like doing what they're doing. They don't care about it. They're being made to do it because of circumstances. Like if you actually lessened like economic anxiety or, you know, economic sort of vulnerability, people would go find jobs that they want to do. They would go find employment that they would want. And to bring this full circle, this is important and this is the reason why fascism exists. This is the reason why it happened in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and why it's back. And that's because when the system gets so out of whack that everybody is miserable and everybody is vulnerable, you need some people who are willing to go out in the streets and break some fucking necks. Or else you might have a conversation about how to change things for the better. The entire point is that fascism happens because capitalism reaches its late stage where you can't continue to make an argument for it. I think it was Confucius that said, the world needs ditch diggers too, Danny. And, uh, you know, that that is definitely the, the other argument to that uh, as well, where you're right. I mean, not everybody can have a job that they like. Right. I mean, and that, that very well may be true. But if you're if you have a job that you don't like, at least you should be able to not starve doing it. And- 
And by the way, just to go ahead and plug what we're going to do uh, on Friday's Patreon exclusive show. And again, go over to patreon.com slash podcast. Nick, I just want to go ahead and tell people who are going to go ahead and watch. When? For what? The documentary. The name of the documentary. Oh, the name of the documentary. Forgive me. Uh, fine de, de una dittatura. And that is over on Amazon Prime and YouTube. And go ahead and uh, watch that if you get the chance before the episode. What you are going to see is you're going to see ditch diggers who are being made to dig ditches. But guess what? They don't mind it because they're doing it for the country. They're doing it for the grand spirit of the country, right? They're being made to do something that they wouldn't want to do anyway and being convinced, much like uh, who was that American icon? Tom Sawyer convincing everybody how much fun it is to paint a fence, Mm -hmm. which is the entire point, is a bunch of people who are digging because they have been convinced that they're doing it for a larger fascistic purpose. Right, and and just fill in, Russia did did this, and the Soviet Union did this. Cuba uh, is is another one of those, again, which is basically, what, uh, Soviet Union West. Um, And so, yeah, we've seen... We we seen that and like I remember my parents went to Cuba in you know fifteen years ago and they were just blown away by how like they seemed happy living in the squalor that they were living in and they couldn't figure that out. I mean it was an interesting thing, but again it's in the name of you know the the, the greater society. Which I, by the way I like there there is a notion of communism that I like, but when it's exploited like that and people don't all live in a you know in a way that uh, is commensurate with you know the, you have the really wealthy elites and all those societies will still have them anyway. Um, and then people living in complete squalor oh. is disgusting. One of the one of the biggest discoveries I made while working on American rule and doing the research I'm doing for this current thing, which is it doesn't matter what economic system we're talking about, right? Capitalism, communism, socialism, whatever. Almost every time they are perverted. And they're just a front. This is how everything operates. And then meanwhile, the wealthy and the powerful become more wealthy and more powerful while people suffer. That's the problem. But when we start to learn that and figure it out, we can make changes. That's GameStop, baby. GameStop. (laughs) All right, everybody. Again, uh, we're going to do our live question and answer session on Friday, February – or Thursday, Friday. Good Lord. That's hard to work your head around. We're going to do it Thursday – February 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And all you have to do to be a part of that is go to patreon.com slash podcast. It'll be nice to hang out with everybody, take some questions, do our thing. This Friday, we will be watching... Fide de una dictatura. And you can find that on Amazon Prime and YouTube. Go ahead and watch that, and we'll have a discussion about fascist propaganda. And I'm, I promise you, if you watch this thing... It will uh, it'll make a couple hairs stand up on end because you're going to recognize some stuff. I'll just say that. In the meantime, uh, here's hoping that Donald Trump actually gets held accountable. My God, it needs to happen. Uh, but <laughs> I am so pissed off about this whole thing already. Uh, until then, you can find Nick over at Can You Hear Me SMH. You can find me at JY Sexton. Until then, stay safe, everyone.